0: Hey everybody, this is Jason from Sheep Out of Water. In the next episode, Chris and I tackle a centuries-old question regarding heaven and hell. And as we do that, we're focusing on the following scriptural readings. Uh, Isaiah chapter 66, verses 18 through 21. Psalm 117. Hebrews chapter 12, verses five through seven and 11 through 13. And the gospel of luke chapter 13 verses 22 through 30 can't uh stress enough that hey take a a look at these readings uh, read through them prayerfully um before during hit the pause button whatever you need to do i think it'll really help uh give you good context for the the conversation that chris and i had and and before we get started please i want to encourage you all to reach out to us directly uh through instagram twitter Facebook, just search for Sheep Out of Water, or you can email us directly at sheepoutofwaterpodcast at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you, and we hope that you enjoy this episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode six of Sheep Out of Water, where my man Chris, the former priest, and myself, Jason, the former atheist, get together to discern truth in this fun little secular world of ours. How you been, my man?
1: Oh, a fun little secular world it is. <laughs> what I'm, a week.
0: <laughs> the <laughs> question mean... that <laughs> the question everyone's asking. How many it cigarettes is... and how many visits to the cemetery <laughs> this week?
1: <laughs> no cigarettes, no visits to the cemetery. <laughs> Which, by the way, I did want to say I was thinking about this the other day driving. When Jason and I talk about seeking eternal truth in the secular world, we've already found it. It's not like we're seeking eternal truth as if we don't know who it is, where it is, and what it is. It's how does that play out in our world, in our daily lives? Because Jesus made it very clear, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So just want to make that clear in case it wasn't clear to some who may be not even Catholic and are listening.
0: I, I think they pick up on that. And I'm, I'm hoping too, that as we talk and we bring different aspects of, of our lives and what we see, you can see glimpses of this truth in the secular world. It's just, sometimes it's hard to try to find it. And I think that's part of the fun. That's part of the sadness. That's part of the challenge. Um, And it's something that I try to do, whether it's watching a, a, a show, a movie, and just thinking through like, okay, what where are these where are the glimpses where where's he at in here because he's here somewhere he's he's always around it's just sometimes it's harder to find and sometimes it's beating you over the head with
1: it yeah well one of the I, one thing I want to get back to was your original question and my apologies because Jen, my wife says it's I hijack people's questions. It was an <laughs> unintentional habit that i picked up in the priesthood because i didn't know how to answer people's questions because i didn't understand that people have real feelings that comes down to four basic feelings and uh so you said how are you and i would say i'm happy and i am scared but i'm not sad and currently i'm not angry so how are you (laughs) i'm 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 doing
0: all right i um I think I'm in a pretty good space. Happy's there and there for sure. Doing a lot of a lot of travel. I think we kind of flipped because you stayed in town this week, right? Yes. you're doing traveling. So I think we flipped the script this week. I did a lot of traveling. I was up, did a long road trip with my father-in-law and my son up to Minnesota. He is, my son's super proud of him. Um, he is, uh, looking into, uh, physical therapy schools, doctorate programs. He wants to be a physical therapist. And so he wanted to visit the Mayo Clinic as one of his programs that he applied to. And there's a a background to this and that my father-in-law went through that program. So I got to travel up there with them. Um, and for us, that's about an eight, eight hour drive to Rochester from where we live. And getting to see my son kind of do his thing and uh, you know analyze what's going on and but but we got this really cool gift of being there with my father in law who that's where he obviously it was his old stomping grounds that's where his his you know training was at, at that level but that's where he met uh, his wife was in mm-hmm. Rochester during his time there so we got to see his old house and. He was sharing stories about, you know, some some how they met and what was going on in their life at that time. And it was just just pretty cool opportunity to do that. So, so Rod, uh, Jackson, thanks for letting me tag along and experience that with you. So uh, a lot of traveling made me a little weary, but it's certainly worth it. But
1: yeah, yeah that's neat. That was the highlight of the week for sure. Well, uh, you were traveling and my wife, Jen, was traveling. She had a conference to put on and a few other things. So I played Mr. Mom this week, in addition to uh, working, which most of the working moms who are at home right now are saying, and that's a trip.
0: I I can hear them. And and my wife will say this. I don't, I don't, he, he better not say he's babysitting. That's his, that's his son. (laughs) He better not say it. That's a pet peeve of hers. And I agree with it. It's not babysitting, but, but
1: No, it's, uh, you know, we've said it before <laughs> off the show, on the show. I think that there's just no understanding the complexity of a woman's brain until you try to work a full time job at home and take care of kids at home. Because we men just, I, it's not an excuse for not doing it because obviously we're doing it, but it, it just is not part of our makeup, our brains. <laughs> They say, I I can't remember where I read it, and I could be off of the number, but the average toddler, four or five year old after that, asks somewhere between 350 and 400 questions a day. Hmm. And I can tell you for sure that my son is an overachiever. (laughs) I was going to say, that's like one car ride to dropping off my daughter. We have smart kids. <laughs> They're so smart, <laughs> Dad. Oh <my> God. <laughs> dad, and we could tell I was getting annoyed. Then it turned into Daddy, so that he could bite off a couple more questions by uh-huh. manipulating me.
0: <laughs> and it's it's quite sad how many times I honestly say to her, "You know, I I don't really know the answer to that question, Nora. You got me," and she regularly does it. So, oh, uh, to have that mind for sure. So. Well, um, maybe we should roll into our topics for tonight and and we got a big one, I feel, a pretty big one so i i, I lead with this time eternal question is uh dare we hope, Chris, that everyone is saved?
1: <laughs> well my answer would be <laughs> these readings this gospel scared the hell out of me <laughs> <laughs> and it should. Because it's meant to. And uh, the gospel Jason is referring to is. I'm pulling it up right here. Yep. Nope. I got it wrong. Yep. Got ahead of myself here.
0: I got you, man. It's Luke 13 verses
1: 22 through 30. That's where we're at. Scares me to death. (laughs) Scares me to death. Because How Jesus sad. says that he, you know, when they ask this question, he goes right into kind of a, a parable there or story that kind of helps them see it a little bit more clearly. And he says, I do not know where you are from. And then he says it again. I do not know where you are from. Depart from me, all you evildoers. So that, you know, that's pretty traditional kind of language and translations for our scriptures but that's kind of not how people talk these days so (laughs) I was reading it out loud but I was hearing it as if Jesus was talking to me the way we all talk today and says dude I don't know you I don't know who you are so get the hell away from me and depart from me you sinner and I thought Oh my gosh, I would hate to hear that from Jesus's mouth. But the gospel makes it pretty clear that there's only a few that aren't going to hear that. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I I I've been pondering this question about and it's a dumb question and he he honestly, but it isn't it's not really dumb. But Jesus kind of brings it all to a, a point at the end of this. But asking that question is something that we we do. Right. Um, and I think a lot of it comes from, you know, loved ones that have passed or people that we know, and, and you know, you don't know where they were. You don't know what's going on. We don't know really uh, what happens exactly when we pass. We, we want them to be in, in heaven. And so there's fear with that. There's fear with, you know, am I in the right path? All of that. So, so we play this game of trying to to, and I think it's a, a game of deflection in a lot of ways, right? Rather than kind of thinking about what we're doing and how we're we're trying to go through the gate or not go through the gate um, or which gate, um, we we deflect and we start to think about others. And and, and some of it's you know good-hearted and and, but I've I found this too. And this came up reading this and thinking through the question. I uh, after I converted um, pretty quick thereafter, I wound up getting into volunteering for our our adult formation, which is kind of trying to guide people through the teachings of the Catholic church It's called RCIA. Mm -hmm. And after a couple of years, I'm I'm kind of facilitating that in a way for our parish. And so it required me to do a lot of reading because I wasn't probably in a good place to do it, but I I took it serious. So a lot of reading in the catechism, a lot of scripture, all kinds of things. And, And we would get to this topic of heaven and hell and uh, purgatory, which is maybe something we'll talk about down the road, but not tonight. Okay. Get, um, that would be a fun one, wouldn't it? Um, but heaven and hell, right? And, and and I've always found this, I found this to be true, right? Or, or I think we argue in scripture, we argue that, hey, is everyone saved or just a few people saved? What we, and, and the reality is, is that, and we want to point and say, well, this person isn't, they're going to go to hell and all this kind of stuff, right? We're deflecting to, hey, I know that this person's going to hell, or that behavior they're going to hell, that kind of thing. We know it's really not our place to make that call. We know that from scripture, right? So I would always float this question out to the group and say, you know, do you think it's possible? And I, worst possible example, but I want, I'm really trying to challenge them. Do you think it's possible that Hitler could be in heaven? And I would undoubtedly have somebody in the room that would get pretty fired up no way no way there's no way and i would challenge them and just say first of all we don't know because we're not the ones making the call that's clearly up to jesus two you don't no one truly knows what's going on in anyone's heart uh between them and god except for them and god so is there that slimmer of the possibility when you think about lines like those that will be last will be first and those that will be first will be last. Is it possible? Like some, something happened in the very last minutes that there could have been this moment of awareness, repentance, forgiveness. Is it possible? And I would challenge them to say, one, we don't know. So if we don't know, then it's possible. So I flipped the script a little bit to what you were saying, right? Um, just to drive home the point Um, And again, I I don't, I don't really sit there and think of whether or not Hitler's in heaven or hell. I don't, that's not something I sit and think, but I I drive this point home because Jesus says this at the end of the the gospel today, basically he shifts to, hey, basically like your, your only job is to focus on you and to focus on what you're doing. Right. Try not to worry about how many is because that's where they, they lead off. Like, how many are going to make it? And he's like you say, he says, very few. And sadly, um, you know, the gates are wide that, that lead to destruction, right? Um, so he's telling us that it's probably pretty few. Um, but I, I kind I, I of, I would flip the script a little bit on that just to challenge people to get them to think back to, hey, that's a sad way to think about it. And it, it's, you know, likely true if he's saying that, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but... That's something you can't control. You can control your path, meaning how you treat others and and whether or not you center your life on Jesus.
1: Yeah, there's that famous um, story about St. John Vianney where a woman came to him distraught because her husband committed suicide, jumped off a bridge. And he basically just got right up in her face and condemned her. And I said, How dare you say your husband's gone to hell because he's committed suicide? And she said, Well, you know, the church says that you can't commit suicide and go to heaven. This is back before we understand more about psychology like we do now. So he said, Were you with him? Were you in his brain? Were you in his heart on his way down? Did you hear what he had to say? Did he realize, come to his senses and realize what had happened? And asked for God's forgiveness on the way down. And of course she hadn't. And what I think that's where the story ends. And I think you're, you really kind of zeroed in on on the whole point of it all. Right. Which is the question, the gospel starts out with this question, Lord will only a few be saved. And again, Jesus is very filtered. He's very wise because he's God and he's able to give them this beautiful parable. Uh, But the point is, who cares? Because ultimately, there's no way for you to know that. And second, there's so many people in the world and so many more people that will come after you, so many people who have come before you that you can't even figure out or begin to figure out any kind of ratio that would make sense to you. And even still, what are you doing? You're hedging your bets. You're trying to figure out how much wrong can I do? How much right can I do so that I can be part of that certain percentage? You know, it's like some of these non-Catholic groups that talk about the 144,000 are saved from the scripture. And that's all that there's going to be. Well, God help us because that's not a whole <laughs> lot of people in the world right now with 7 billion people. And we had right. so many that have gone before somebody come after us. It's very arrogant to think that way, that you know exactly how many when Jesus himself says, don't worry about it. And ultimately, what I think he's saying here is this is not a quantity issue. This is a quality issue. Don't worry about how many people are going to get to heaven. Worry about what you've got to do to get there because it's a damn narrow gate and you got to be doing the right thing in order to get through that gate.
0: Yeah. And don't worry about, you, you know, these people and you know that some people are not doing well by you and others. And I feel like we get hung up on almost wanting to know that this person has really caused problems for me, the world, whatever that they're paying, right? We, it goes back to that idea of justice that we've been talking about. We, we get hung up on wanting, wanting some sort of vengeance, you know? So we want to be able to proclaim the people that are disagreeing with us or going to hell or whatever. And, and anytime I hear that, I get, I, I get, I get pissed off quite frankly, mm-hmm. when I hear that from, from Christians, because it's like you, you, you have no, we no right to ever say that to anybody. You can say, Hey, I'm worried that you might be on that path.
1: Yeah.
0: I can, I can correct you fraternally like that. If if my intention is pure, but if I, if I'm coming at you and saying for sure, you're, you're just, he's, he's basically telling us like, that's not, that's not what you should be worrying about. Right. You know, you're it's not your call, <laughs> you know, stay in your lane, whatever you want to, whatever you want to put it. That's what he's saying. Um, And that's, that's why I love the last line in this gospel where he's saying, Hey, look, Some that are are last will be first and some that are first will be last. I just, I love that line Uh, because it just sets it, sets you straight uh, and getting you back on the right path instead of worrying about how many or who and all that kind of stuff. So,
1: yeah. And I guess I'm not opposed to that. Um, Just a different take, a different side of it, you know, as we're kind of picking this gospel up and almost like a cube, turning it, looking at all the different sides of it. In we're, different. We're colors playing and... Rubik's cube with today's <laughs> yeah. gospel about
0: hell. Instead of <laughs> colors, dangerous. it's like demons and angels <laughs> that you're trying to match up.
1: <laughs> Jesus is up there scratching his head like, damn, what are these two trying to do down there? Just don't get it. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm sure he says that about us a lot. I can
1: guarantee you that. <laughs> but he understands the the stay-at-home dad working thing i'm sure he does oh yeah (laughs) he's not scratching his head on that one no um but no the the other key i think there, especially for today's christians especially christians in america is the whole section of that gospel where he's telling the story and he says you know the people said to him their argument for entering in to the you know through the gate ultimately to heaven is well what We ate with you and we drank with you. You know, you taught in our streets. And I think about what he says when he is in the garden of Gethsemane, you know, during the agony. And they come out with him or come out against him, led by Judas. And what does he say to them? And Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a huge group of people. And he says, all this time I've been teaching right there in your temple right there in front of you the whole time right there but now you come out out at me as a it a thief with clubs and fire and everything else and were those people people that would have said well wait a minute wait a minute world's ending we, we want to get to heaven we ate with you we drank with you we you taught in our streets same thing today in america you know we, we flew our flag you know we we did our every once in a while, good deed. And we put a dime in the collection basket now and again. And, you know, we, we claim to be Christian and, and we thought good thoughts and we felt good feelings. And, and he says, depart from me, all you evil because he's not just talking about what did you think you did? He's talking about actual intimacy because twice he says, I do not know you. So You know, you or I could go downtown where we live and eat and drink and preach on the corner. People aren't going to know us from anything. (laughs) But if people actually come up to talk to us.
0: What do you mean? They're going to be like, it's the sheep.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Bah. (laughs) So sheep out of water. All right. But you know what I'm saying? like, we're down there. And they, let's say that we're the gatekeeper then. They're like, well, no, 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 no. Yeah, no. We ate with you. We drank with you. You taught in our streets. I I don't know who you are because you didn't form a bond with me. You didn't enter into intimacy. I even invite you as you were walking by. I said, hey, my name is so-and-so. Can I meet you? Can I talk to you? Can I buy you a drink? Can we have a meal? No, they walked by. So they didn't accept the invitation to intimacy. So when the end comes... And they said, well, we we know you, we've seen you. He says, no, no, there's no intimacy. And you need to be intimate with me as your Lord and Savior to get through this gate. Yeah. Which leads me to think about
0: the language he, this idea of judgment and reconciling it with um, this knowledge that it's, we're the ones that, that, put ourselves in that position. You know, if, if we find ourselves in, in hell, it's because it's not some sort of random judgment. It's not a score. Like eh, if, you, if you had 20 points, you'd be in heaven, but you only got 19. So you got to go to hell. It, it, it goes to what you're saying. It's this, this intimacy, this knowing of, um, you know, and, and, but it's this idea that, that, we're turning over the judgments really on, Hey, whether or not we have a legitimate relationship with Jesus, you know, um, it's not a scorebook kind of thing. Right. You know? I mean, there's, yeah. I, at least that's how I, I perceive it. Right. And when I, when I first heard, you know, the, the, or, you know, I haven't read it because I, I can't, the 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 story of dante's inferno right mm-hmm. of satan and hell and in the in the image I, I can never get the image out of my mind and 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 satan is in hell but hell and in dante's version is he's satan's frozen right right and his wings are still flapping but the fires of hell are like cold fires i guess and it's he's put himself there because of his pride um, and it's in this dark, lonely, cold place. It's this distance. It's this turning away from God. That's the hell. It, 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 the fire is almost an ice cold. Um, it, it, I, I think I shared this with you guys. Like I had this experience uh, twice in my life. Once when I was uh, probably a year after um, my mom passed away. I think probably where I I consciously decided that I didn't believe in God. I had this this feeling but later on in life uh I talked to you guys about the scuba diving analogy right uh, i'm going to share it anyway cuz this to me is how i illustrate what what hell could be like my wife and i were scuba diving a number of years ago and we did what's called a shelf dive and oh, what you're yeah, 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 yeah. what, what yeah, you're no, doing yeah um and it's just so vivid in, in my memory i feel like i needed to share it as far because we're talking about hell
1: um we're, For our we're listeners, doing... he gave me goosebumps when he took because uh, <laughs> you could feel it as he tells it.
0: It, it, it. it well, so we're doing this shelf dive, right? And a shelf dive is is you're on the kind of you're, you're down the island and you're you're literally diving along the, the shelf of the island. So you have got all this beautiful coral reef and all these fish and the sunlight's hitting and all this, but you're on the end of literally on the end of the eye of the landmass. And you're you know in this particular di- dive we're down deep enough to where, you know, the I don't know how many feet we were at the time because it was a while ago, but you know, you're up there. And the sun is only reflecting off the actual coral reef and the fish and all that stuff. But it, I, I remember this very vividly. For whatever reason, I make this decision as I'm looking at the reef to just turn around. It's like a 180. I didn't even do a full circle just to kind of see what's behind me because I'm just focused on this reef. And as I do this 180, I turn around and it's just um, – absolutely just surrounded by pure, just black darkness, like nothing, just surrounded. So much so that I literally got lost. In, in my mind, Like I, I, I've just felt lost, not connected with anything. I had no idea where I was. And mind you, we're on this dive with a whole bunch of people and there's a, a dive leader and all these things. And I, that literally happened to me as I turned around and got swallowed up by this darkness that I, I was lost. And I had to consciously in my mind say, "Hey, idiot, just turn back around." I had to do that. and I remember just this this just I don't even know, I can't even describe it in words, but just being lost like that and, and just feeling so completely insignificant, and then this huge realization like just turn around another 180, and you're good. And I remember I just wanted to get back to the boat i I, yeah. I was done i i just i wanted to get back um it was just this just incredible darkness and, and i feel like as i later on in life heard you know this this description of dante and and, and this idea that we turn away from god and that's what hell is is this, this darkness this he's not there um i'm like that's what it was it was like that probably eight million times worse but it to me, that's when I think of hell, I think of that, just utter darkness, insignificant, just in, in the middle of nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I wanted to share that with the listeners because it's what I think of when I think of hell.
1: It's is so powerful.
0: <laughs> so yeah, I may never they... go scuba diving again. I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's one of the few uh, places where I know they do it, but if you ever are in the Basilica uh, – the new Basilica in St. Louis on the back of one of the arches, as you're looking towards the entry of the church uh, up on the top right-hand side of the dome, there is a depiction of hell and it's Dante's hell. It's frozen. It's darkness and ice and just cold. And it's one of those very few spots that aren't filled with uh, light and uh, that don't, don't inspire you upward. It actually like makes you feel closed in on purpose because it's, what hell should feel like Mm. just as closed like you said just as immense as that vacuum was that you were witnessing it just probably felt like you were completely compressed almost becoming claustrophobic in the hugeness of it all
0: i would imagine and i'll never ever i would imagine it was like what being buried alive feels like right almost the same kind of thing you know um another morbid thought right there but Which I'll never sign up to do, by the
1: way. (laughs) Do you know what the Russians... I was just uh, listening to the uh, podcast the other day. During uh, the 1940s, 1930s, 40s, even into the 50s, the gulags, they Mm. used to bury people alive Mm. when it was their time to go. And these were the Russian people that they had in the work camps. And the justification wasn't torture. It was just this discard for life they're easier to carry and move when they're still alive because once they're dead you shoot them they're dead and then it's dead oh, ways hard to move so at least get them to the grave throw them in the grave because they're easy to move and then bury them alive i mean it's just a huge disregard now you talk about hell that's like hell on earth hmm. and uh jordan peterson talks a lot about ideologies and how carried away people can get with these ideologies and actually even compares Dante's Inferno to to that you know and just a sense of betrayal being the ninth circle of hell the, the lowest next to Satan is just betrayal of all things but betrayal of mankind betrayal of God betrayal of yourself and how absolutely horrific that must have been now do we say that all those people the gulags that were doing this are in hell no nope. Because just like Jason said earlier, we don't know who knows what happened in that last moment. We see what happened to the um criminal on the cross. Mm. The one wants to do nothing but get off, and the other one says, Forgive me. And Jesus says, Today you'll be with me in paradise. So, as much as we're talking about Jesus saying, You're not going to enter in through this narrow gate, I do not know you. By at least entering into intimacy, even if in those last seconds, whether it's the man jumping off the bridge or the, the criminal on the cross, he entered into intimacy with Jesus. And instantly Jesus rewarded that with eternal salvation. Yeah. That's the crazy love of God.
0: Yeah, that's the thing about that. There's this strange hope to these things that we're talking about. Like, and you you use the the great example in we can't lose sight of you can get caught up in, in kind of the doom and gloom part of this and the sadness of this, but this, this hope that all you have to do is is just like the criminal on the cross is, is just honestly, just look to Jesus and try to start engaging in that relationship. It's not his mercy is, is, you know, just boundless. It's, it's, and it's yeah. always there. And I think that's the other part that you, we have to, you know, tie into, and and maybe this is a good segue to the second reading, which I, you know, I love this reading. Um, Let me pull it up here. So it's, it's, uh, we're back in Hebrews again, chapter 12, and um, we're talking about, um, hey, you've forgotten the exhortation addressed to you as children. My son, do not disdain the discipline of the Lord, or lose heart when reproved by him, for whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. He scourges every son he acknowledges. Endure your trials as discipline. So there's more to the reading, but what I like about this tying into this whole topic of hell is that there's something about being challenged or enduring, you know, that we we can gain from and that that God's going to teach us from. So when we do fall or we do fail, we can't sit in despair and say, well, there go my chances. No, it's an opportunity to learn. It's an opportunity for the Lord to uh discipline us in, in his way, right? It's not like he's gonna show up and and <laughs> you know, fine us a thousand dollars or something like that, yeah. but in his way, he's gonna humble us or allow us to be humbled. And there's it's this beautiful story of resilience, really, that was which is something that we need in our culture, like you wouldn't believe. Absolutely. Is, look, again, I think you said this a couple episodes ago, like, hey, he didn't guarantee you it's going to be easy. It's not. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, it's going to be hard. It's, But he's going to give us these graces. And if we can look to him and we can get ourselves through it by, by going to him, we're going to be stronger because of it. We're going to be more resilient. We're going to be our lows aren't going to seem as low. They're still going to be low, but they're not going to be as low as they were before because we, we know that there's hope at the end of the tunnel. Um so that's why I love that reading you know for that reason is that there's this again a prescription of hey, don't get upset if you you screw up yeah and you you t- you start taking 10 steps towards the wide gate of dis- of destruction, you know okay and and then you're being corrected in some way like don't don't that's not the end of the story. God's gonna do that so that he he does that so he strengthens you to get to the narrow
1: gate. God's not done with you. (laughs) No, what what you're saying comes down to what? One word. You can screw up all these times. You can jump off the bridge. You can torture people in gulags. You can do all these things. But that invitation to intimacy comes with one word. Starts with an R, ends in a T. Happens during Lent a lot.
0: Being repentant.
1: There you go. Repent. (laughs) That's all it comes down to. He's like, not a hard equation, folks. Mm -hmm. You don't know me. Okay, repent and get to know me. You do know me. You're part of this group that I've called together, like in the first reading in the gospel, even the second reading. I've called you all together. You think you know me. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. Maybe you know me a little bit, but you messed up. Repent. (laughs) Enter back into relationship. Because what happens if you don't do something like repent to Corinne when you guys have been in a fight and it's your fault. What if I don't do it with Jen? If I'm not repenting, shit's not going anywhere. Like we're right. gonna be stuck in that hell on earth of not communicating or communicating poorly or what there's got to be an ownership for what I have done wrong and not just the ownership, but then the communication of that thing to
0: Yeah. You've gotta acknowledge oh. it, right? You, you the, and you have to have action afterwards to show that you've learned the lesson, right? Um, that's that's part of repentance, right? Yes, yeah. and you you might screw up again, but it's if you're if you're maybe you got a little bit better at it or you didn't do it as much or whatever the case may be. Um, there's that component too of, of the action that's
1: changing, which is the second reading, right? Which is the author of the second reading of the, the letter to the Hebrews just saying, you know, obviously he was either. Uh, a sports fan or Mets fan, or I think <laughs> he was himself. He
0: he was a New York. <laughs> I saw that in the introduction to the chapter. He says that he clearly was a New York Mets fan.
1: He that's prophesied hot. the Miracle <laughs> Mets of '68. He prophesied that's right that's about the '86 right. World Series win. No, he <laughs> he obviously uh, is using a lot of the the sports motifs and that training, but. What I want to communicate to listeners too, it's that idea of that radical intimacy and having to come back to it time and time again to enter into that narrow gate. And one of the things I was thinking about, and, and you know, and I don't prepare a lot because we try to leave room for the Holy Spirit. Um, but one of the things that did pull out uh, as I was thinking about the second reading and, and the gospel this week was um, G.K. Chesterton, right? So, and I think a may have let you borrow this earlier on, but G.K. Chesterton uh, had a great work on St. Francis of Assisi. And I used to think St. Francis of Assisi was nuts, like an absolute (laughs) fanatic freak.
0: Well, he was kind of right. I was right.
1: Because he was.
0: (laughs) Yeah. He's the one that like literally went into the heart of uh, the Muslim world, right? In the middle of. Yes. uh, To try try and convert like. (laughs) The actual leader of the Muslim people. Yeah. yeah. During this, would be during the, the, the time of the Crusades. The Crusades. I, yeah. yeah. So that was his idea. It sounds like he, a good idea.
1: He, he was a firecracker. Uh-huh. But, you know, wh- where is that? But, I,
0: but, but no, Chris, he did that with the birds flying around in his hands. And yeah.
1: That. The bird bass. What a <laughs> way to honor Saint. Make bird bass so birds can crap all over him for the rest of eternity. <laughs> this is what, what they should have done. <laughs> Here we go. St. G.K. GK Chesterton. St. G.K. But anyway, G.K. Chesterton says in his book on St. Francis, and this is the kind of narrowness that we're talking about. This is the crazy love of God that we're talking about. He says, it was the whole calculation, so to speak, of that innocent cunning that the world would so to be outflanked and outwitted by him. This is Chesterton speaking of St. Francis. And be embarrassed about what to do with him. So that's because of the craziness of him. You could not threaten to starve a man who was ever striving to fast. You could not ruin him and reduce him to beggary, for he was already a beggar. There was a very lukewarm satisfaction even in beating him with a stick, when he only (laughs) indulged in little leaps and cries of joy, because indignity was his only dignity. You could not put his head in a halter without the risk of putting it in a halo. I mean, holy cow, Chesterton, blow my mind how you can write like that. And St. Francis, you quadruple blow my mind and how you can be that well in shape, that trained of a a holy athlete and what God wants of us to enter into that narrow gate. And we know the story about how the thief stole his coat during the winter. And he started chasing the thief down the street or down the road Mm -hmm. and saying, here, take my shirt too. take my shirt, take my shirt. I mean, crazy man running after the little guy, take my shirt (laughs) off and my pants, take it all. I mean, nowadays people would pull out a gun and shoot you. If you try to take a coat from them or a car from them or anything else, we hear the terrible stories. And St. Francis is like, Nah, hold my beer, guys. I'm gonna try, try to get another <laughs> car for you to steal too. Like, what? And that's that radical love of God that He's calling to us or calling us to is what Saint Francis was exemplifying, and that none of us are gonna necessarily have, but that doesn't mean we don't try. You know, Saint Francis is a a saint, a very special saint, not just one of many. He was a special saint. Because of who he was and how he lived, we're not called to live like that per se. But we've got to try to enter through that narrow gate,
0: and that's the key, right? It's it's
1: it's almost.
0: <laughs> I hate to say it because I like to win, but the winning is in just the constant effort to keep getting back up and and trying and trying and trying. And, and what does that look like? You know, you're saying to have intimacy with Jesus, to have, to, to, to try, to be this spiritual athlete, like, wh- what does that look like for you? Is it, I mean, sitting and just being trying to be present with the Lord in a, in a chapel, is it studying scripture? Is it trying to do something concretely in your life that, and change and and fix so that, cause you know, you know in your heart it's that's not what you should be doing that's not pleasing to him is it studying like th- that's the thing about all of this like the the ignorance that that we all have at different levels to what we're we're created for is amazing and we never know completely because we're so fallen but but to study people like saint francis to study oh gosh that sounds crazy what that guy was doing why is that an example to study the teachings of the church, to study all these things and and, and to think through them and apply them. And okay, you know, we're talking about all these things, but for me, it's, there's this, this proof of life in a way that, you know, I, I've lived and I've said this before, you know, I've almost lived two different lives. I I lived the, 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 the life of, you know, that just, Hey, if you're just nice to people, everything's going to be fine. You know, like, I just want to live this life of just trying to be comfortable. And, and, but it was so empty, you know, I live that way and, and compared to trying to live a holy life after kind of trying to understand what that is, right? Like asking people and reading about it and praying about it. And, and again, I'm not the mo- the holiest person in the world. I've got my flaws by all means. I'm a sinner, but I can, I can certainly see the difference between the two approaches and how much more joy I have and and the funny thing is is the things that I thought were important sitting down and watching football all day on a Sunday all, an entire days doing that like that was important mm-hmm. to me. how what a waste that was um and no no disrespect
1: to people who love football like but but no because it's for, not intrinsically wrong no it's, but what are you doing with it
0: right and, and so it's it's that that application in life. And then you start to see, and you start to like, man, I actually enjoyed like going to mass with Corinne when we were first dating was like, I'm like, I know this is this. She wants to do this. So I'm just going to go with her. And <laughs> We first got married, like, okay, this is the right thing to do, I guess. And it was just a a task I could check off on of my list, but but eventually going and trying to actually engage in the prayers. And think about what's being said and what's being sung, and and actually engage what's happening. That's what we're that to me is what trying to be intimate with Christ is. It's it's actually trying to participate in those things and and sit and try to be with Him and and ask the question like, Hey Jesus, what what is it you want me to do here? You know, incorporating them into my day to day life by by just trying to think like that. That's what I calls to my mind in terms of trying to develop intimacy with Jesus. For you, what is, is what is that like for you?
1: Uh, probably the exact opposite. Uh, not not smoking <laughs> like the cemetery with, with no, <laughs> <laughs> close in the seminary. <laughs> yeah. So years, literal years of quiet time for prayer mm. and study. You know, five straight years of that, and you know, for whatever it was nine or 10 months out of the year. And it's not like when you left the seminary, all of a sudden you stopped doing those things. No, we'd continue to pray our holy hours and then ordained as a priest. And I remember how busy I was getting at one of the particular parishes. And I remember Mother Teresa's, another another (laughs) radical saint uh, saying, if you say to Jesus, you don't have time to pray, or you're too busy to pray, you're too busy not to pray. So I thought, well, I'm already praying one holy hour a day. I think that means I'll need to do two. So I was getting up at two in the morning. (sighs) I mean, just burning myself out. Uh, So that doesn't mean there weren't incredible moments of intimacy and holy passion with our Lord. But I think I'm probably a bit like St. Peter in terms of throwing myself all into one thing, then throwing myself all into (laughs) the other. So I had so much of that prayer time, so much study time. I've got to get to heaven by being an all-out great dad and great husband, which doesn't exclude prayer time or study, husbands and fathers. Mm-hmm. But where I saw it actually even this week is reading this gospel or reading the first reading, Isaiah 66. And I literally, Jason, had to read one line at a time. Normally I'm preparing it and I'm reading it out loud and I read it quietly. and But because I was Mr. Mom this week, I, and for those who are too young to realize, look up Mr. Mom. It's a movie from the 1980s. It's a great movie. (laughs) I'm realizing nobody knows what Mr. Mom is. Kenny, don't paint your sister. (laughs) (laughs) But that's holiness, you know, like Mm. for you dads and moms and whoever else you're listening, like that is freaking, I can't say these words, but blank to the wall, holiness, you know, like Mm. If the end of the world came, I would so much rather be in that moment, halfway frustrated with my son, halfway frustrated with like not being able to get the work done the way I want to from work, and reading the scripture. You know, like, boom, end of the world, lightning flashes, east to west, do not know the time or the place, do not know the day or the hour. Bam, it's happening. Here I am feeding my kid, reading out loud the scriptures, <laughs> and trying to do my job all at the same time. Take me, Lord, I'm yours. Like... <laughs> crazy amount of like pride, healthy pride in myself for just trying to be holy in that way. You know? So I I think it really does come down to the person and their state of life, where they are, when they are and how God's calling them to that holiness. Yeah,
0: absolutely. One thing I I forgot, and I I think I mentioned this before, (laughs) if you're, if you were like me at some point and, and never really got into scripture pick up the gospel of Matthew and just read it from start to finish. For me, you know, that I just, for whatever reason, like I, you just get this really good sense of what it, what Jesus was like when during his earthly ministry and, and what he was teaching and what he was trying to get it kind like, it just really opened my eyes. And I just, I felt like after actually truly trying to sit down and, and, and I didn't read it in one, one day I, I read it a chapter at a time if i could or a section at a time if i could like you're saying like a line at a time if i could but try to just that was a good way to get to know jesus too was like we got these gospels that were all about him Mm. you know and he's speaking to us through them so i I did not say that and i should have but that's a good way to do it too yeah i I never I, i mean i spent I don't know, 10, let's see, I've been Catholic 13 years. So I spent probably the first nine or 10, like I would read scripture as an assignment or part of the readings for the masses or in these little, you know, for for other purposes, I guess, if you, rather than just trying to kind of read it and see what's happening in the gospel or whatever, and go from, you know, page one to end of the story with a a particular gospel for me it was matthew it could be pick pick one just i mean you're you're not gonna be disappointed in any of the gospels but
1: (laughs) yeah and if you (laughs) are let us know
0: yeah please reach out by all (laughs) means like we'd love to talk to you about that um you know hit us up on instagram and facebook and wherever else we're at (laughs) um we we spent a lot of time looking at the harsh reality of how hard it it, it is for many to reach heaven. Right. Um, but there was something about the psalm, uh, that to me kind of echoed some hope. Um, and it just struck me. I'm just going to find it pulled up here. Um, so the psalm for this week is Psalm 117. Um, and the response is, go out to all the world and, and tell the good news. And, and I know we've been going for a while, but but the, the, the first reading kind of talked about Isaiah, about going to gather the nations and uh, the Lord doing that. And and there's this responsibility that we have as Christians to tell the good news. Um, but there's this line that talked about this. and For steadfast is his kindness toward us, and the fidelity of the Lord endures forever. I, I look at that line in the psalm as this reminder that I know this seems hard to make it to heaven based on what we're hearing in some ways, but steadfast means unchanging. It means our, our Lord is never going to change his kindness towards us. He loves us. Never gonna change. That's what steadfastness is, right? And then the, this fidelity, right? This This commitment, this loyalty that he has to keep being there for us Whenever we are, whenever we're ready, there's a lot of hope to that. He's right there, and he 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 has this this unwavering kindness towards us, and he's always there, always loyal to us. We're the ones that keep screwing up, and we talk about this all the time.
1: Yeah,
0: like to me, there's there's just this beautiful hope to that because I just have to remember that. And then if I'm if I if I waver in one way or the other, all right, hey, he's he's there. Turn back to him. Turn back from that darkness in the ocean and, and look back at the light on on the on the fish and the coral reef and all that stuff. Like he's always there. All you gotta do is just turn back around.
1: Yeah. And and that's a great tie-in back to repentance because I would hope that every Catholic knows this. But the actual word for repentance is turn back, turn around. Mm. Jason, repent, turn from the darkness, the depths of black coldness, turn around to the beautiful coral. It's right here. And I, I think you're really right about that psalm. Like I've I, I have been to the Holy Land a couple of times. That's not a bragging point. It's just a lead into what I'm about to say, which is <laughs> you have not heard anything until you've heard a Muslim call to prayer. And I wouldn't attempt to do it because I don't want to be disrespectful and I would definitely mess it up. But I'm not opposed to having Catholic bell towers <laughs> all over the place who just – Out of nowhere, you know, in the middle of the day at certain times of day, read off the Psalms like this. And this would be one of them because it's one of the shortest Psalms and it is power packed. Hmm. You know, imagine you and I are playing baseball or playing t ball with our kids, or we're out having a beer and all of a sudden we hear the Catholic call to prayer. And it's not the liturgy hours, you know, it's just this one particular verse that we can take with us throughout the next couple hours into the next call to prayer. Oh my gosh, this would be a great one to hear, you know, the, the cantor saying, praise the Lord, all you nations extol him, all you peoples, for great is his mercy towards us and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. You know, like, yeah, I can live the next two or three hours and stay on the path. (laughs) until the next week you know like just an incredible psalm yeah absolutely absolutely sums up the whole week pretty well
0: it really does it does we have not talked about the old testament reading um and and for me i i got so focused on the gospel and second reading and and i obviously read through it but um, I just pulled out that theme of, of the gathering of the nations was the biggest piece that I pulled out of that. Was there anything in specific you wanted to touch on there? And that I'm I, sorry, I should have said the reading, by the way, and I didn't. So I'm failing, failing our, our listeners. It's Isaiah 66, verses 18
1: through 21. I, I read different translations about the verses there and I will uh, we hear the verse. I will set a sign among them from them. I will send fugitives to the nations. Very interesting word, fugitives basically to go out and to get people. And, and I thought of you, you know, people who uh, have not heard the gospel or who haven't heard it in a way that's been convincing to them. And those people have gone out and, Preached that in the way they've lived and the what they've said, and based on what the person heard and how they heard it and when they heard it, and the circumstances that were determined by the Lord, they came and they followed them back to Jerusalem. Uh, but that he says, I will set a sign among them. And I'm thinking, well, is Jesus the sign? And what it turns out, uh, from what I read, is that it's just a standard. So I will put my standard. You know, the the standard bearer or the big. Sign that says, We're the good guys, or you know, (laughs) whatever. Like they had their crest, and for us, now that's the cross. And that wherever we go, wherever churches are built, wherever rectories or convents are built, wherever Catholic schools are built, you're going to find that standard of the cross. And it was the cross that really gave us not only the direction to go out. But to also bring back in uh, either those who had never heard or those who had heard and left and are called back by God again. So it's a very scandalous reading, you know, for those who are self righteous and holy. Sorry about you, (laughs) but (laughs) Isaiah said it, and Isaiah is takes up as uh, this one author said takes up almost as much airtime as uh, the Gospels in the scriptures and lectionary on Sundays. And that was true of uh, Jewish times as well, you know, in terms of the, before the church was, uh, had grown into what it was that the Isaiah was a very important Jewish text it still is uh, for them to read. So if you're getting it in the old Testament and you're getting it in the new Testament, then you can pretty much guess that it's legitimate authority to listen to. To look for that sign, that standard that belongs to God and to come underneath it, come back to his holy city. And like we did in the second reading, to strive, even when our knees are weak and drooping and we're running that second mile when we're 30 pounds overweight like I am and you're thinking, I just can't do it anymore. nope stand up straight put your chest back shoulders out keep those elbows in and just keep going because eventually you'll get your second wind and you'll finish through that narrow gate
0: that's what's right amen to that well hopefully we've uh helped everybody get on that path to the narrow gate in ourselves as well um before we uh close in prayer here i just like to ask and remind everybody feel free to reach out to us on instagram on facebook on wherever else we are twitter uh, you can easily find us by getting at us at she just search for sheep out of water you'll see our cool little logo um feel free to send us some some direct messages you can email us at sheep of water podcast at gmail.com we're happy to respond and who knows maybe we'll we'll bring up something you throw at us uh, on the next episode or or future episodes, we'll see. But kindly reminder to our listeners. Nice
1: teaser, I like it. You like that? I like that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's close in prayer. Sound good? Love that even more. Awesome. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of us. Your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and we shall be created. And you shall renew the face of the earth. Amen.
0: Lord Jesus Christ, all praise and glory to you. Uh, I ask that you you help us see the the path, the narrow gate. You know, we we want desperately to to be on that path. Help us. Uh, help others to that path. Give us the the tools that we need to do that that good work. Help us from distractions and everything else that that the evil ones trying to get us to pay attention to keep us centered on you. Amen.
1: Amen.